privilege to be with the Heritage Grace family. Thank you for having me this morning, and um, uh, I want to say thank you to Aaron as well for uh, just the invitation to come and open God's Word with you. As he mentioned, you're part of a fellowship of churches across Canada, uh, approximately about 500 churches, and there are five regions, kind of like provinces in, in our country, uh, five regions across our fellowship, and one of those regions is Feb Central that you are a part of, and uh, that covers one million square kilometers, uh, Ontario and English-speaking churches in Quebec, and we have about 290 churches of those 500 churches are here in Feb Central, and it's my privilege as regional director to lead our team that serves our churches to help them thrive on mission for the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we do that through three critical priorities. We do that coming alongside our churches to do church planting. We, uh, we also look to discover, develop, and deploy leaders. So we do leadership development. And then the last thing that we do is we engage in church health. And that entails a lot of different things. Uh, COVID instruction, all that kind of stuff that's been going on in these crazy days that we have been in. So it's a real privilege to be a part of the Feb Central Ministries team and to be here with you representing them uh, today. Let me just give you one bit of real encouragement. During these very crazy, challenging days, uh, you've been a partner with us in helping Feb Central work with our churches to plant 13 churches during this period of COVID. Isn't that exciting? Praise God for that. And another um, seven, I think it's seven, I've got to get my facts straight here, eight churches are in the planning stages. So we have not stopped being on mission. We are going forward uh, in the face of great limitations, challenges, restrictions, and you've been a part of it. And you were one of those 13 churches that were launched during that season. So it's so exciting for me to be here and just to see where you are and to meet with you, worship with you, and it just really is an honor uh, to, uh, to be with you. Please pray for us. As you know, these have been really polarizing, challenging days in the context of the church. And we're asking for God's wisdom and grace and help to enable us to serve our churches well. And to do that, again, to advance the gospel. And we appreciate your partnership. We appreciate your prayers. Thank you so much. So I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bibles, if you haven't already done that, to Philippians chapter 4. In a moment, we're going to be reading verses 4 through 9. I, I'm sure you would agree with me, um, if we've learned anything in these days, life, we've learned that life is a beautiful gift from God, right? The Bible says that life, breath, and everything else comes from God. Would you not? That's Acts 17, says that so clearly. Every gift that we have is a gift of God's grace from Him uh, do this with me. I know I've got my mask off, but if you could do this with me, breathe in and then let that out. That's a gift. And every breath you breathe is a gift of God's grace. My ability to be here with you today, to walk up those stairs, that is God's grace. My ability to preach, any skill or gift that God has given, all of that is His grace. Everything we have is a gift of God's grace. Life is a beautiful 
gift from God. But if we've learned anything over these last two years, it is that this gift is incredibly fragile and easily broken. Some of you come into this place this morning, outside of COVID, you've got, and you are feeling the broken places of life, right? You say, yes, God, God, thank you for the gift of life. It's beautiful, but I am being touched, whether it's in your, 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 your marriage or your job or your health or your finances or some circumstance. Many come in here today and you're in the valley and you're facing challenges. You're feeling that beautiful yet broken nature of this gift. It's fragile. And so many today under COVID are feeling overwhelmed. They're feeling incredibly vulnerable. People are feeling powerless, out of control. I think that's what the protests are about. There's a lot of frustration and angst. This in turn has generated a great deal of fear and anxiety in our society. And you know that fear manifests itself in different ways, don't you? For some, fear manifests itself in a kind of immobilizing, I can't do anything, I'm just going to be passive and stop doing anything. And then for other people, fear manifests itself in actually trying to control everything, actually trying to control everything in their environment. And we've seen a lot of that under COVID. But here's the truth, God wants us not to, to do those things, but to find our refuge in Him. To find His peace in the storm. Not that which we can manufacture. You remember the words of Jesus where He said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Wow. Do not let your hearts be troubled, He said, and do not be afraid. That's John 14. And then a couple chapters later, he will say, In me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Good news. Friends, here's the good news. It is that Jesus alone gives us a peace that this world will never, ever be able to give you. Peace with God, peace with each other, peace within yourself. And through our victorious Savior and Lord, we can enjoy a true, deep, eternal peace from God, even in the midst of the most difficult circumstances of life. Even in a period of COVID, even in, you name it, you put in there whatever you want to put. But here's the truth. I don't automatically experience it as a follower of Jesus. God calls us first to understand it, that peace, to live in that peace, and then finally to give it away. How do we do that? How, how do we take hold of the peace of God in Jesus Christ? I believe that's what our passage is about this morning, to teach us how we understand it, how we can see it, and then savor it, drink it in, take it in, partake of it, and then give it away and share it with others. So I'm going to invite you to please stand with me, and I'm going to be reading from Philippians chapter 4, 4 through 9, and um, you can follow along as I read. 
from this passage of Scripture. It may be on the screen. It is on the screen. Great. So just follow along as I read. Apostle Paul writes, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. You notice that? Peace is mentioned twice in this passage. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the peace, your peace, that only Jesus can give. And we want to let the, the, the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ rule in our hearts. And we pray as we look into this passage that you would be our teacher this morning. Speak to us by your Holy Spirit. May you shape our lives as only you can so that we may be not only understanding this peace, but really savoring it, living in it, and sharing it with others, we pray. And so we commit this time in your word, pray that you would be pleased and glorified and honored. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. So there's always a context for a text, and there is a context here. And the Apostle Paul is ending his letter to the Philippian believers with a series of very practical commands, if you will, to grow deeper in their life with Christ. These believers were going through challenging circumstances. They were experiencing different, um, difficult circumstances. They were being persecuted. We know that from chapter 1 and chapter 3. If you were to go back and read the book of Philippians, they were facing financial hardship. The Apostle Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians 8. Um, they were experiencing uh, disunity and fractured relationships. Uh, Paul talks about that in chapter 2 and chapter 4. And in addition to all of this, their spiritual father, Paul, was in prison for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were feeling very much overwhelmed, out of control, if you will. And with a pastor's heart, Paul ends his letter telling them how they can deal with all this stuff and how they can let the peace of Christ truly rule in their hearts on this roller coaster ride called life. And so he's going to basically tell them with four commands, four challenges. I, I've worded them this way, and you'll see them in your notes. Look up in faith, reach out in love, lift up in prayer, and drink in the word. And so let's look at each one of these individually. The first one, the first thing he challenges them with is keep looking up in faith. Look at verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. In other words, the only way you're going to be able to find peace and joy is if you focus on God rather than on your circumstances. The key to their lives is not where they are, but who they are in Jesus Christ. 
their identity in him. The key to their lives isn't what, what's happening to them, but, but how they respond to it through the power of Christ. We'll see in a moment. The only way that you and I can truly be contented and at rest in our lives, at peace, is when we focus on the Lord, not on everything else. Why is that? Notice how he says that? Rejoice in the Lord. <laughs> it's not rejoice in everything that's going around you, but rejoice in the Lord. And then he says it again, rejoice. And then he says rejoice in the Lord always. Why is it, Paul? Why can you say that? How do you say that? Rejoice. I've got some junk going on in my life. How can I rejoice? It's not about rejoicing in the junk. It's about rejoicing in the Lord in the junk. That's the key. Life is always changing. Jesus never changes. Jesus is rock solid. Jesus is secure. Nothing will separate you from the love of God in Jesus Christ. That's why you can rejoice. Paul isn't just saying be optimistic. He isn't saying be a glass half full kind of person. That all the circumstances are going to turn out great. You know, suck it up, buttercup. It's tough times, but you just got to be, you know, a positive attitude in the midst of it. No, he's not doing that. He's saying choose a faith perspective that understands your confidence goes way beyond the fragile, fleeting, and fractured circumstances that you're in. It's in Jesus. You know, I, I, I've noticed that so many believers have been so invested so much in all things COVID during these last couple of years. You know, this is the right approach to COVID. This is what COVID is. This is how to handle it. This is how to respond to it. This is what we should do. And we all have to have opinions. Don't get me wrong. You all, because you're living your life every day, you have to sort things out for yourself and you have to make decisions and choices for yourself. But let me just say to you, all your thoughts, knowledge, opinions about COVID are fleeting, fragile, and fractured. You're going to get three years from now and you're going to go, I had that just right. I got that wrong. And we're all going to do that. Countries are going to do that. Governments are going to do that. Churches are going to do that. Pastors are going to do that. We're all, we're all making mistakes. But here's the good news. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Don't put your confidence in all things COVID or any other gift that God has given you, even his best gift. Don't put it in your marriage. Your marriage could be an awesome marriage, but it's imperfect. It's beautiful but broken. Your kids are beautiful but broken. Your health is beautiful but broken. All, even the best gifts of God, are beautiful but broken. Only Jesus is not broken. Only he is beautiful and unbroken. And therefore, he's saying, rejoice in that, not in anything else. And then you'll have peace. A deeper peace that goes beyond the roller coaster ride of life. Do you see it? Friends, most people in the West are trying to bring peace to their lives by creating just the right environment, just the right set of circumstances. And as a result, they try to control everything, all the outcomes. But it doesn't take long to see that so many things in our lives 
are beyond our puny little capacity, beyond our knowledge, beyond our control. And if circumstances are my measurement, I can, I can be confident I will never, ever experience lasting joy or contentment or peace. But God in Christ gives us a way to a stable peace, a stable contentment in a very unstable world. Think about the verses that Paul speaks just a couple verses later in this passage, Philippians 4, 12 and 13. He says, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Paul says, the key is not getting a, just the right set of circumstances. He says, I've been on the roller coaster. I've known what it is to be down in the valley to, to be in want. I've known what it is to be on the mountaintop in plenty. I've known this. And what I've learned is that's not the key to my life. When I can't change the circumstances in my life by the power of the living Christ, I can change my response to what I cannot change. I can choose an attitude of faith and I can be okay. I'm going to be okay. In Jesus, I'm okay. No matter what happens. Nothing will separate me from God's love in His Son. Therefore, I can have peace in the roller coaster ride of life. Some of you come in here this morning. And you're down in the valley. You come in here down in the valley in want. And some come in with plenty. We're all in different places. But the power of the living Christ enables you to give thanks in the plenty and to trust in the want and to know that you can have his peace no matter what. Good news. Good news. Do you see it? And the truth is, friends, that God can make everything a servant to lead us, to give us more of Jesus. So every circumstance becomes an opportunity to rejoice. Because either I'm on the top of the mountain giving thanks and recognizing His grace, or I'm in the valley trusting Him more deeply and trusting in His strength, His presence, His power in my life. Either way, I'm getting more of the living Christ lived out in my life. So we need to look up in faith. But more than that, we also need to reach out in love. Look at the second way Paul says, let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts and lives. He says, keep reaching out in love. He says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. He says, uh, do, focus on doing God's will, especially loving others. Now, gentleness here can be misunderstood, easily misunderstood. Some people interpret that, you know, gentleness is like niceness, being nice to others. But that's not really the essence of what Paul's getting at here when he says this. The New American Standard Bible, I think, captures the sense of what Paul's getting at. It translates this verse, let your forbearing spirit be known to all people, all men. In other words, he's talking about gentleness. He's talking about kindness. 
humility, kindness, patience in the midst of an often hostile world. And he says, don't put your priority on your rights, choosing to react in retaliation when others hurt you, but commit yourself to revealing God's gentle and forgiving love to an often selfish, hurtful, hostile world. Would you not agree with me? One of, the, um, one of the reasons for anxiety and stress in our lives is because of the hurt of other people. And the closer they are to us, the more it hurts. I don't know if you know, you've noticed that. Because there's, there's a breach of trust where there's more intimacy and you're hurt by those closest to you. One of the, the, the points of deep stress and anxiety in our lives is actually when people hurt us. And I believe part of what Paul's saying here is don't respond like the world normally responds. Respond and live out the reality of Christ. Respond like Jesus did, who didn't get retaliation, but rather gave himself and his rights and his privileges and sacrificed himself loving in the face of hurt. The temptation for all of us is to feed the cycle of hurt and selfishness by reacting in the same way that we've been treated. Truth is, you and I can't change this world, but our greatest opportunity to influence this world is by God's grace changing me. So I don't just give what would be expected. I give something supernatural. I give and respond like Jesus responded to me. God, God did not give me what I deserved. He gave me his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness when I was going my own way. The Bible says God showed his love for me. While I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. Do you see it? God responded. He could have wiped me off the face of the earth. And he responded with gentleness and kindness in the face of my rebellion. This is how we impact the world. Following Jesus in this way. And when people see God's peace operating in us such that we become peacemakers rather than escalators rather than engaging in retaliation we give what god has given to us we give grace and patience and mercy and gentleness now i don't think paul is saying here to be a doormat but we are to have the courage of faith to believe that god not people have the final word and that's why he says let your gentleness be known to all the Lord is near the Lord is always in the room there's the most important person in the room is always Jesus and live for him knowing that he's going to have the final assessment you don't have to do God's job he will do his job he'll be the final assessor he'll give the final uh, judgment you don't have to do that you don't have to play the role of general manager of the universe Knowing that God sees, knowing that God knows everything, knowing that Jesus is returning, he's coming again to give perfect judgment, to right all wrongs, to reward all rights. I don't have to be the judge of the universe. I don't have to be my own vindicator. I can be like Jesus and entrust myself to the Heavenly Father and believe that if I respond like Jesus, 
God will use that. You know, one of the things that's discouraged me under COVID, to be honest, is how much I've seen, even in the church of Jesus Christ, God's people assessing one another in kind of a final assessment, judge and jury kind of way. Instead of leaving people to God and responding in gentleness and patience and mercy and showing the world a different response, we don't have to become like those that hurt us. That just fuels relational isolation. Neither do we have to become hopeless and withdrawn. But instead, we can be God's tool of peace by bringing his love into the hatred of this crazy world. We can defeat evil by dread. May God help us to drink deeply of his peace in his son and then share that with others around us so they can see Something supernatural, not natural. They can see Jesus. Look up in faith, reach out in love. Here's a third one. Paul gives the challenge to keep lifting up in prayer. And he says, lift up our burdens to a God who is more than able to handle what we cannot. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We're not to be anxious about the past, the present, or the future. But through prayer, he says, we present our needs and cares to a God who is more than able to handle them. And we do that with a thankful heart, knowing that he owes us absolutely nothing. The only thing he owes us is his justice, and instead he gives us grace, his love. He gives us so much that we don't deserve. Friends, when we worry, we betray our lack of confidence in God's provision, in his care for our lives. The discipline of prayer is meant to help us do the opposite. In our world, people are trying different things. Would you not agree to do, deal with all the stress of life? Under COVID, uh, addictions have gone up, right? There's distractions, addictive substances, obsessive behaviors. There's different ways that people try to deal with the anxiety and the stress of life. And God says there's a healthy way to take the brokenness. Instead of trying and numbing yourself to the reality of your pain, learn the healthy way to deal with living in a beautiful but broken world. Give it to God. You won't find it in a pill. You won't find it in a bottle or lusting or abusing people. You won't find it in consuming stuff. You won't find it in amusing yourself. You won't find it even in religious rituals. The only way to be able to handle this brokenness is over and over and over again, identifying it for what it is and then giving it to God and let God be God of that brokenness. And you do that through prayer. You see, friends, Paul is not just simply saying, don't be anxious, but pray. He's giving you the solution to the anxiety. The best way to be liberated from the anxiety, from the fear, is to pray. Releasing the cares to God. Letting God be God of that situation. Trusting him that he's big enough, wise enough, powerful enough to know what you can and cannot handle. You do know that as you pray in faith, he will answer. 
One way or another, he will answer. He, he may answer by, by providentially, even supernaturally, changing the circumstances. He may do that. You pray about something, and he changes the circumstance. And he reveals his glory, his goodness, his, his greatness by changing the circumstance. Or he will not change the circumstance, but he'll change you, giving you the power, giving you the strength to deal with what has not changed in your circumstance. Either way, he manifests his glory. Now I ask you this question. Which one is the greater revelation of his glory? Changing your circumstances or changing you? That's a great question, isn't it? I would submit to you it's the second one. Why? Because any change of your circumstances is but a temporary reprieve from the brokenness. Remember that Lazarus, who was raised from the dead, had to die again in light of the fact that Jesus didn't come back. Lazarus had to die again. It was but a temporary reprieve. That's the ultimate miracle. He was raised to life, but he had to die again. (laughs) Any change of your circumstances is temporary. But any change of you to shape you more like Jesus is eternal. You can't lose that. You see it? That's the good news. You can't lose with Jesus. Either he will manifest his glory, changing your circumstances, but even more, if he doesn't, and he changes you, and he gives you more of Christ's likeness, more of the living Christ experience, his power, his presence in your life, you can't lose. And so we can never go wrong praying with gratitude to the one who is greater than all this brokenness that touches us in this world. Notice the promise. The peace of God that passes all human understanding will guard your hearts and your minds. Verse 7. It's not the disappearance of the struggle, he says, but the reality of God's presence and peace in it, a peace and rest that far surpasses human understanding. Stay with me here. Let me ask you this question. What have you got in your life going on right now that feels like a heavy burden? Like a backpack of rocks. It's weighing you down. I don't know what it is. It may be something going on in your job. It may be something in your health. It may be something here at church. It may be a sin in your life that you're struggling with. It may be a relationship. It may be this. You put whatever is in there. You go, that is heavy on me. I feel that burden, and it weighs me down. I feel the anxiety. I even feel fear when I think about that issue, whatever it is. Now take that backpack off. Do this in your mind, visually with me. Envision yourself putting it into a garbage bag. Tie up that garbage bag. That's your garbage. That's your junk. And you're lifting that up to God in prayer. God, here's my junk. Here's my my stuff that I'm feeling overwhelmed by, that I'm feeling stressed by. Here it is. And guess what? He gives you a beautiful present. You open it. It's his peace. It can't be had in this world. Passes all human understanding. 
It's the peace that only comes through Jesus in the gospel. Now, I wish that were like a one-time thing. I put it in the garbage bag, lift it up, and it's done. It's not, right? Sometimes that's a process where you go, okay, that's back on my back again. I'm weighing. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, tr- I'm not trusting there. I need to let God be God of that. And so I lift it up again, and he gives me his peace. It's a process sometimes. Sometimes it's a one-time event. But most times, for most of us, it's a process. God, help us. And genuine prayer is this supernatural antibody that kills off the disease of fear and anxiety. God, help me. I wish we'd been so much more in prayer during COVID than on social media during COVID. I think we'd be dealing better with the junk that's going on. Because this stuff is way bigger than any of us. Way bigger. And we need God's grace. We need him to be sovereign over this. God, help us. Help us to look up in faith. Help us to, to reach out in love. Help us to lift up in prayer. And lastly, help us to keep drinking in the word. Look at verse 8 and 9. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. One final way to deal with the vulnerability and the instability of life. Keep drinking in the word of God. I think he's saying here, focus yourself Focus on the will, the desires, the promises, the precepts of God's truth. Replace your diet of pop and junk food of the culture with the milk and the meat of God's word. Oh, oh you got to be on social media. Yes, you got to do, you know, watch the news, all of that. But let the dominant voice in your life be God's word and his truth. I don't know about you, but sometimes I get down in that hole and I get surfing on the internet and I come out, I don't feel better, I feel dirty, I feel discouraged, I feel angry, I feel angst. I don't ever have that experience when I'm deep in God's truth and I'm praying back his word to him. I come out built up, edified, strengthened. Do you see it? God, help us to be conscious of the voices we are feeding on and let your voice be the one that is above all the others. Forgive us for saturating ourselves in the culture's voices, but not your voice. And I don't think Paul's point here is to give an an exhaustive list. He's really illustrating for us. And And the clarity of that is in the last part of verse 8 where he says, if there's anything that is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. If there's anything that is of moral, spiritual excellence, pleasing to God, think about these things. These are the things we should feed our mind upon, God's truth. These are the things we should be taking in. And I would suggest to you that these could as easily be a description of Jesus Christ. Remember the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, that really are a description of Jesus? Who is the ultimate true one? Who is the ultimate noble one? Who is the ultimate right one, pure one, lovely one, admirable one, excellent or praiseworthy one? Isn't it Jesus? Fixate on the beauty and the treasure of who Jesus is 
through the word of God. The goal, again here, is not just filling up our minds, but it's life transformation. This thinking process is to lead to changed lives. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. God is looking for this truth to change us from the inside out. And if we feed upon and live out the reality of God's truth, His Spirit will change us from the inside out. What is it you are focusing on right now? What are the voices you are listening to? Someone said this, many people assume that anxiety is the result of too much thinking, but in reality it is the result of too little thinking in the right direction. Meditation in the world is about emptying your mind. Too, too much thinking, empty your mind. But the Bible says that meditation is not about emptying your mind, it's about filling your mind with God's word, with God's voice, with God's truth. And letting that control every aspect of your existence in life. God, help us. Help us to drink in your truth. I think we've all felt overwhelmed at some level by what is going on in this crazy world. We don't know what the future holds. I'm grateful, though, that I know the one who holds the future. You have the world in his hands. He knows my future. And some of you, again, have come in here with heavy hearts because you're going through different circumstances. At some point, we've all felt the waves of life breaking over our heads, and we felt those emotions of anxiety and fear. Some of you are feeling those powerfully right now as we speak. And the way God wants us to deal with these things, with this common human experience that we can all identify at some level with, is very different than our world deals with it. God wants to give us his biting peace and joy in his son and to have a steadiness in the ups and downs of life. How do we do that? This passage gives us great direction, right? Look up in faith constantly, right? God, help me to, help me to reach out with your love to others and treat others as you have treated me. Help me to lift up in prayer and help me to drink in your truth, and your word. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much that you've given us a means in a very unstable world to have your peace, your contentment, your joy through your son. Thank you for all that he has done, past, is doing in the present, and will do one day. And Lord, help us to anchor our lives there. Thank you that you've given us your best. You have given us your son. And we can know and be confident that you will give us the rest that we need. Help us to look up. Help us to reach out. Help us to lift up. Help us to drink in. May you be our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. So that we will not fear. Even if the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, that we would be still and know because of your son that we are okay and nothing could separate us from your love and him. We are grateful today for this kind of rock solid peace, eternal peace that you give to us through Jesus Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen.